This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Hi, I'm Sophie Frymouth. I'm the director of Baguette UX. It's a small consultancy based in Europe, and I help clients and teams figure out how to do products and how to work together in order to satisfy the business and the end user and the customer. This series started in episode 101. Go to the show archive to listen to that one as well. You uh, mentioned basis of trust, and, I, and I, I wrote that down on my notes here to come back to that, because I feel like that must, there must be a reason you... Can you tell me more about that? Why, why is it, what does this basis of trust mean? What, what does it look like when you see it? Uh, that's a very good question. I've been interested in trust for a while. There's one person who works a lot on trust. He's a um, this guy called Julian Stoddard, and he runs something called Sea Salt Learning out of he's somewhere on the coast in the UK. And he's got this whole little um, little guidebooks and little playbooks on trust. And he's been doing a lot of work on on that. Trust is I'm is still a concept that I'm very work very much working on, and I'm particularly interested in trust at team level. And trust at team level is. Uh, where my understanding is at and my, my thoughts are at is having faith that the other person is showing up to contribute and support the development of a solution or an effort or an inquiry on the topic that brought us together. Um, and it's not about, uh, you know, launching myself backwards and hoping I'm going to be caught. It's, you know, maybe it can develop into that. But it's trusting that when so-and-so, you know, throws an idea into the table that may seem that it's coming out of nowhere, believe that it is beneficial and take it in and work in it and see where it goes. And believe that there is a genuine intent to make progress um, and and to succeed, but you build that trust. You don't start with it, but you 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 have to start in good faith, and then you have to come true on the trust that people are laying upon you. And this is where you get really strong, strong teams that, when the going gets tough, they pull together, they weather it, and they come out gloriously with quality work thoughtful work, good morale, and, and all the attributes that we know contribute to a ultimately to both a product and a business's success, in addition to preserving individuals' mental health. Mm. I like I like that. Uh, I think it also, uh, if we tail it back to the, the question of, of designers wanting to meet uh, individually rather than include more people in the meeting. Um, you brought up that there's a, there's a lot of, of, how do I say this, complexity in doing the interview right in a way that, that gets the results that the designer wants. And so perhaps if trust isn't good, then the designer goes, oh, I don't know if I really want those other folks in there. They're going to distract or, or cause a lot of divergence in my meeting. 
That's so true. That's so true. There's a lot of, of I, I have been interrupted in session because a stakeholder is like, um, no, you're not asking the right questions. Let me take over. And, uh, you know, I, I want to kick them under the table. I'm like, no, you need to beat around the bush and, you know, just figure out where the quail is. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's a full hunting metaphor, but, uh, you know, interviewing is never so. Tell me how you use my product and what we need to add and how much you're ready to pay for it. Ever. Ever. It's, it is never those questions. Ultimately, you will walk out with the knowledge um, on what not only not only what the answers are, but also why these answers are the answers the person gave you. But you never ask those questions point blank. If you ask those questions point blank, you can never get a good answer. <laughs> I like the quail hunt metaphor. That's very nice. Let's try to leave some ideas now for the designer who may be listening to this and, and, and maybe being like, oh my gosh, I still don't know how to work with my bringing other people into a meeting that I'm used to having one-on-one is, uh, well, scary to me. Are there some techniques you would use to to mitigate that or, or to get good cooperation, if you will, in that meeting? Okay, so when we talk about meeting, we're talking about user and customer interviews or something else? Well, you can decide on the event. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to highlight the, the differences between what they used to do when it was so, one-on-one. So yeah. a lot of, okay, I'll tell you even more that what, what designers can be compelled to do is just to sit in the corner in the dark, looking at their screens, pushing pixels and churning out designs in silence. Oh, huh. You know, okay. headphones really help. Some teams really love that because, hey, you've got you've got a machine in a corner. You push a button, you know, typically the coffee machine button, and at the end comes out designs. Whether the designs work or not is not the problem. You've you know, there's this. It's it's a it, it's a production line, and give me a design, give me another design, change the design when I ask you, and you know, no questions asked. That's um, not agile. That's also bad waterfall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, isolation has never done good work. So the next thing is discussing why we're doing this thing and getting the knowledge that you need as a designer to do the work. And typically you need to understand several things. You need to understand, okay, what's this, what, what is this thing we're working on now? Okay, we're working on the, I don't know, the ratings widget. Great. Okay. What does the business expect out of this, out of this widget? How do we know we will have succeeded building the right thing? Do they have OKRs? Do they have KPIs? Do they want to see a certain signal? These are business questions, but the more the team understands the business management behind it, the more they're going to be able to hit that one. It's one thing to say, well, we will know we have succeeded when we see people using it. It's a different thing to, we know we'll have succeeded when not only people use it, but they also input answers correctly. So that means it leads us to sales of an average higher value, like which is quite a complex operation. So get to understand what we're trying to achieve. And then the first thing I do is, is always talk with the developers and ask them, what for you is going to be the challenge? Is there a database somewhere that's really tricky to talk to? Is there a server somewhere that needs, you know, extensive authentication that we need to be aware of? Like what's what's the technical landscape behind this? And I, all I need to understand is not the technicality as much as how big a pain is it going to be for them, and therefore how much can I load them up with a complex design? Because when the, the dev team tells me, you know, it's going to be technically horrendous, um, I can decide to 
make a design that is simple to implement. It may not be the fanciest. It's going to do a decent experience, but it is implementable at first pass so that we release a first version that is functional and efficient. Um, and then I say, okay, then we do that. I'm going to have a bit of design depth that in, in this. Um, I'm, I will call out that debt later to improve the user experience, but I totally understand that just the plugging in the back is complex. So I'm not going to make the front-end coding the most complex thing on top. So once I understand what the business wants, why well, I understand existing complexities, um, and I know some people are going to be offended, but I also go see the users, okay? Because the reality of business is, and, and also normally the real answer is like, first go see the users and understand what they want. I know the reality for having been there that the business has already decided that this widget will go live. Maybe somebody somebody's bonus is on the line or somebody somewhere in a presentation put a PowerPoint that blah. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to understand, you know, how complex it is technically. I'm also going to go see the users quickly as possible to understand what needs to happen for that thing to be a success with them. Maybe what needs to happen is that that thing is so uninteresting to them that I need to make it as unobtrusive and as painless as possible because to the end user, actually, they don't care. They're not going to use it. They're not going to fill it in. It will fail. I'll feedback to the business at some point. Uh, but oh, hold on a second. Bring, so, so, so feedback, yeah. there was something about the feedback to the user that, that, that they don't care because they're pretty sure it'll fail. I'm not quite clear on that. What is that? Okay, so when you discuss with users about um, things that they do, sometimes the business has this idea that they need to implement such and such a functionality. Okay. I'm trying to think of an example. None is coming up to mind. But when you discuss with the users, you realize, well, that's really nice, but they don't really care about that. It's not important to them. They've got a much bigger problem to solve. So then as a designer, I'm bringing knowledge that's going to throw a massive spanner in the works. And it's a very frequent thing that happens the minute you start going out to talk to your users. Mm. Bringing in that knowledge, you know you're the bearer of bad news. You're going to be Cassandra. <laughs> People are going to hate you for this because you're not saying what they want to hear, which is that everybody wants that widget. Um, depending on the organization you're working in, you may uh. either share that knowledge with a few key people and say, just so you know, I wouldn't put my hopes too high on this signal from the, the, the user is not great. They're uh -huh. not completely opposed to it, but I very much doubt it's going to hit the metrics that you've got in mind. Um, or if you've got more cloud in the organization, you can say, guys, pull the brakes. We may not need to do this work at all. Right. Which really the business should want to know. They really should know, you know what? We actually don't need to add a fifth wheel to a car. I know it looks <laughs> great. But you know what? It's not going to improve anything. And if in case of problems, that's one more wheel to change. Okay. Yeah. I think I know what you're, you're getting at because, well, let me, let me throw my frame at it and see if it's the same as yours. It. It, sounds like, it sounds like somebody developed uh, some requirements ahead of time and that's how they got the budget from the, the accounting to even do the project at all. And, uh, um, and then later when, when, when the team arrives and the designer's there, uh, the designer starts talking to the customers and starts realizing, oh, they really want this a different thing than what they did up front in the past because exactly. that's usually how budgeting works. Okay. Exactly. So the more distance there is between um, whoever uh, wrote the requirement or asked for the requirement and the end customer, the more likely this is to happen, which is why you 
we know good agile, the team figures out the work that needs to be done in order to get the outcomes that the business wants. You empower the team. And what's interesting when designers are thrown into the mix is that you need to have a lot of collaboration between um, everyone in order to understand what's value to the end user but also what is driving every single member of the team? Because we all have an agenda. Some people want to use their shiny new toy because they're a pro at so-and-so. Some people want to hit, like I know some designers, uh, they absolutely want to hit excellent accessibility. Um, some developers are going to want to, um, uh, you know, crack complex code problem. They don't want to reuse stuff too much. Like, you know, they just want to make their brains work. Um, maybe they yeah. want to try this new language. Like. Everybody comes with an agenda. We need to talk amongst ourselves to make sure their own individual agendas are not going to drown the actual point of being there together. Because this is an after-school club. This is work. We need to deliver this thing. How we deliver it as an agile team, we should be empowered to figure this out. We should be empowered to do together the insights that we need to determine the the amount of work that is required and the extent of the work that is required to deliver the outcome that's needed. Are you new to Agile or Scrum? Looking for a fun way to pick up the knowledge to become an Agile team? Go get the novel Agile Noir. It's a dramatic novel about a project manager who needs to transform his teams to become agile because his life depends on it. This book is available in the U.S. on Amazon, in India on Pathy.com, in China it's available on my WeChat store. Links are in the show notes. Next episode, we hear more from Sophie. Yeah, I'm still seeing a lot of waterfall in design, and sometimes it's waterfall hidden and agile. Um, and it's not always easy, depending where the design sits in the organization, and depending how clued in the organization is in regards to strategy, um, the designer may be forced uh, way ahead of development um, because somebody somewhere needs to see all the designs, somebody somewhere needs to see everything as a prototype, um, and then you're cut off from dev.